I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're not going to be able to hear. I love how I love. Yeah, I won't be able to hear you because <laughs> you literally have like earmuffs on. Yeah. Um, oh, I love wait, how yeah, we tried to do this. Well, we tried to do it before, and so okay. Let me set the tone here. Uh, we're hanging out in Toronto. It's me, Brian, uh, Sans Taylor. Uh, but we got our homie, our home girl. our homeboy girl. I can be a homie. Yeah, homie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, homies. Friends, uh, both, uh, both, <laughs> not neither. <laughs> uh, Kenzie Brenna, hi, sub dog, with homie dog, <laughs> homie dog G. <laughs> it's, it's great to see you again. So good, you guys are awesome. Yeah, so happy to be here. So we tried this before. Well, we mm-hmm. did do this before. We, we did a live show here mm-hmm. in Toronto with you, mm-hmm. and um, and it was a fucking smash hit. It would that was a really it was a really fun show. Um, some balls to the wall, crazy banana stuff was talked about that will never be heard by, by anybody except for the people that were there that night because in the middle of our fucking recording, uh, our, we were just talking about how much I hate audio yes. and audio yes. engineering. In the middle of our recording uh, at that Toronto live show, uh, everything just crapped out. Dude, you stayed so calm, cool, and collected when that happened because I, I didn't wa- even know. I know. I watched it cut out and I went... Yeah. There goes this entire episode. Yeah, and I, I noticed just look that up you, and, and yeah. Kenzie was like in the middle of a story, and I'm like, mm-hmm, 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 great, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I noticed that you mentioned something to Taylor, and you lo- didn't look fine. Like, yeah, you didn't look okay. Yeah, was like, but I was like, just keep talking. I don't know what that yeah, facial expression. That's means. sort of like it. Yeah, it's like there's it. It's that mask of panic, but like, but like the mask is covering the panic, and the mask that's on top of it is like everything's good, everything's fine. Yeah, the word fine. Yeah. Is, is like, the key word fine. where you're going, oh, everything is not okay. Everything's on fire right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're here again and we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right. We're gonna do it for real and keep the recording. And ho- hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> and put it out to the world. Um I, I'm s- I mean, I I always find that you know, we've we've done close to two hundred episodes now and, and mm-hmm. I'm so I, I always feel so present and so in the moment and like I'm I'm being a really good listener. Like I feel like that's a skill I'm always working on when we record these these Humble podcasts. Brag much, my God. No, Brian. no, wait, don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the other way now. <laughs> I'm uh, so present. I, I am so no, I, good at listening. I try to I try to be that way, but then <laughs> Then I always forget what we talked about. Like, oh, I, like when, when, when short term memory. When, I'm, when I'm sitting here, like thinking, like, what did we talk about during that show? I can, I can almost remember nothing. This and I don't want to. I, I hope that I don't offend you in saying that because you're a very, you're a very memorable person, Kenzie, Thank you. in, in really such a great it. way. But, but I don't remember anything. You're like, we talked I know about. that I met her, but I have no idea what we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, okay. I'm kind of in the same boat a little bit. That's okay. But I know. So well, let's guys, let's you, dive into it. Mm-hmm. You've you've lived a pretty. Uh, a pretty interesting life, I would say. Definitely not boring. Definitely not boring. <laughs> Definitely not boring. Uh, should we, well, why don't you introduce yourself to the people who might not know who you are? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so hi, everyone. I'm Kenzie. I currently live in Toronto, but I grew up just a few hours northeast of here in a small town called Uxbridge. Good old small towns. Love them. What's, um, the, what's the population of Uxbridge? When I was there, it was like 15,000. Okay. So it's not, it's not. It's not like it's a pretty small town. It's like you, it's you go down town. to the old general store and like uh, you know and, them and, and they know you and they're all somehow working there twenty four seven. Mrs. McGallan's <laughs> running it or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It does sound like some very like 
picturesque, cute town in in somewhere in the oh, UK. Oh, it's a Pleasantville town where yeah. they they actually canceled bus routes there now because they don't even want the outside world to touch it anymore. They're just oh, wow. like we're okay with <laughs> like they're probably going to put up a wall at some point just to keep it that small. <laughs> okay, but okay. it was but it, it's it, and I'm happy that I'm in Toronto now, but I do miss that small town vibe of just everybody knowing each other, the friendliness because mm-hmm. Toronto is Toronto and and it's not the friendliest city. Um, but I grew up there and I, uh, the reason why I'm here talking today and why I'm a person here in Toronto is because I'm a content creator and I'm a speaker and I'm I'm an actress, but growing up I struggled with an eating disorder and body image stuff and, and self harm. And I've been, I'm now publicly talking about my stuff online. And so that's what I do currently. And I would say that that's to summarize my whole life. That's that's pretty much. I think that's a pretty good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good way to sum it up. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of of the, the you know living life with an eating disorder, we've we've covered eating disorders a few times on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always so fascinating to me because I I find that world is so. It's so layered, and it's and it's and it varies so differently from person to person. I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, sure. You could say the same thing about fucking diabetes or CF or whatever. Right. Um, but, but like, I know that if I see someone who has CF, I'm looking at the person and I'm going, I know your life. I know, right. I know what you've gone through. I feel you. But it's because they're like eating disorders are such, it's such an alienating experience because it's not something that you can, like, when you're going through the challenge of really being in the thick of it, you're mm-hmm. oftentimes not open about what you're going Mm. through and so you don't have other people who are experiencing similar things to connect with and and talk about that with and and it's even very taboo in the sense that people don't feel like people feel like they can't talk about it right well yes but also so so here this is a perfect example of my point i think there's also a very like Strong might be the the wrong word to use, but a strong community of people who are actually dealing with eating disorders that mm-hmm. do that do have this like very open dialogue with one another and this like almost like a yeah. community yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of uh of people sharing what their experience is like but it but it from a very different sort of standpoint a- anyway. Eating but disorders are fucking complex. Definitely, definitely. And to add on to what you guys are saying, mental illness is a very interesting thing to deal with because there's such a gradient of when are you really ill, you know, versus Mm. when are you just being a normal person struggling with this small little thing in your life? Because if you have CF or if you have heart disease, you either have it or you don't have it. Yes, that's right. With mental illness, there's a lot of subjectivity depending on, you might go through three or four doctors before and have three or four different diagnoses. That's right. You know? right. And that is re- a really interesting thing to talk about because then sometimes people don't even know when they're sick mm-hmm. and they don't never, ever know when am I sick enough to go to the doctors or when am I sick enough to get a diagnosis. Right. And with eating disorders, a lot of people find that it's, it's usually a stereotype of it's a thin white woman's disease mm. rather than it having to affect everybody, you know, I mean, every single person can be affected by something like that. And then what's the difference between just disordered eating and then an eating disorder. Mm. And, and so for me, it was definitely, I never thought I was sick enough. And I just thought that what I was doing was normal. I just, we've, cause we've normalized a lot of this type of disordered eating, you know? So, so then like when you were, when you were just a small town girl and, uh, I wish that Taylor was here right now because I know he would belt, belt yeah. the lyrics. I, I was waiting for one of you. When, when, fine. When, She's when, just a small town girl. When you were living in a lonely world. Um, <laughs> did you guys hear how like, that was amazing. That, that was, was pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't practice. really want That's to acknowledge so it, but I didn't want okay. To <laughs> Um, it was good, yeah. So, we hate you. We hate you. <laughs> when you're taking the midnight train, yeah. uh, um, but actually, um, when what at what point did you realize that, like, oh, I am being affected by, um, 
a mental illness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so when I was 18, I had a really bad, I always knew that I struggled with anxiety and the self-harm thing for sure. But I didn't really think that the self-harm thing fell into a category of mental illness. I just thought that I was angry and that's what people do when they're angry. And so, but when I was eight, and I knew that I struggled with anxiety my whole, mo- most of my life. But when I was 18, I had this really, really, really bad panic attack. I had an anxiety attack and I, thought for some reason that somebody had poisoned some food that I was eating. And I, and it sounds pretty, it sounds ludicrous when I say it out loud, but in, when you're in such a vulnerable state like that, you make up stories in, in your head to kind of j- make sense of what's going on. And right. I was in such a bad place that I thought this is the only thing that could have happened. Like, why else am I feeling this way? And I thought I was going to die. And I was on the phone with a friend of mine until like four o'clock in the morning until my body finally like calmed down and shut down. But I was convinced that somebody had poisoned something that I was eating. And from that, that year I developed into paranoia and developed into OCD and I couldn't eat or touch anything that had been open or touched by other people. And I had to have all these rituals in order to eat. And that year got, Whoa. yeah, that year got really, really, really bad. And I had to, what drop did those, what did those rituals? look like no, sorry to cut you off but like yeah. I find that so fascinating like yeah OC, OCD is just so it's so interesting mm, yeah and, and, and it's what a quirk like yeah you know quirk yeah that's I, one I, way to describe I, it for I know sure. that. or mental illness or mental illness what a quirk yeah, or mental illness. mental illness but no but you know no, what no. I, I don't yeah, mean yeah, like yeah. I don't <laughs> mean quirk in the sense of like oh that's kind of a quirky thing yeah. I just mean like what a like yeah. it's interesting it's interesting it's super interesting it is and it's like it's this it's also it's this kind of like um it's this you know, if you were to like think about it as like a, a, a us as like machines, it's just it, you're you're malfunctioning in this totally. like very interesting uh, mental way. You know, it's like it's kind yeah. of like you're on like repeat almost, mm-hmm. uh, like a like a skipping record or something. Yeah. Mm. What were yeah. what were the 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 rituals that you'd have to, to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, My skipping record was all about um, no. It's a good way to put it. It's like you're on loop and you can't get out of yeah, it, right, and it yeah. just is like this infinite loop of I have to start it again. Um, but mine consisted of if if I had to eat something, if there was a like an apple in my house that I had to eat, I had to take the second paper towel, like I would rip one paper towel off and then take the second one and then rip it into the middle and then take the middle part of it out, clean the faucet. Then I would run the water for five minutes and then wash the apple and then wash the apple with a different paper towel and then try to eat it. But if it tasted weird at all, then I had to throw it out and potentially make myself sick because I was scared that it was poison. Whoa. That was one of them. But I mean, that also... A pretty fucking clean apple. It's a know? very like, clean I mean, apple. You're, gonna, you're not going to get clean apple. Very, I'm very good at cleaning <laughs> yeah. my apples. You know, you know what food. is like kind of sort of. I mean, maybe not the funny isn't the right word. But no, it's kind of funny. <laughs> we can is, laugh at it. Is uh, is that when you're saying that I'm I'm going yeah. Right, you know, yeah. like, like, justifying it. Part of that that makes sense to me. Right, yeah. You're you like know? you want it clean, and, like, yeah, totally. and you're cleaning like, it. Yeah. I have like I, I have I feel like I feel like OCD is one of those things where like again it, there's it's it's a spe- like with a lot of mental illness it's a spectrum, yeah. and so like I definitely. I hear you say some of those things and I go, I'm kind of like that in these Mm -hmm. sort of ways. I definitely do weird quirky things and identify with that too. Like when I walk into a public bathroom, I like, I'm never touching the toilet seat with my hands. Like I'll flick it up with my foot. If I wash my hands underneath the sink, I'm not touching my hand on the door handle when I'm leaving. I just wash my hands. So I'll like use my shirt and like put my hand underneath and like grab the door handle and pull it open. Yeah. Like I do, or or even if it's like a long bar door handle, Mm -hmm. I'll just look at like, I do. Th- I think this in my head when I walk up to the door. I go, "Where would most people grab that?" Oh, because wow, I'm going to yeah. grab it where yeah. people. I don't. do that all the time. Yeah. actually, a big one that I do is when I go to Starbucks and I order a coffee, and then I go to get my lid to put it on my coffee. Mm-hmm. I I scoop down and take right. out all, <laughs> all of the them. lids, perfect, and throw yeah. them all out <laughs> except for the bottom one, and perfect. then I put that on my yeah. coffee. Fuck yeah. the environment. I usually <laughs> I I kind of do the opposite. I scoop down and then I lick the bottom lid and then I put it back. So you you're look fucked. Terrible. I <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah, I know. Um, okay. Everyone go to Starbucks afterwards <laughs> and try to find the lid. That, It'd be really like, funny if somebody was listening to this while they're in Starbucks trying grabbing to pick a, a lid. Like, like, you know fuck. there's one. There's one. Ew. Um, Terrible. Okay, so, so, that's, so if you guys said that, actually, if you guys said that, if you, if, because I had this at the time that I was struggling with this, I tried to be open with it 
to people. And one of the best coping mechanisms for me <laughs> is to laugh at stuff. I'm right. like, if I can laugh at the dark stuff, then like it makes it a little bit lighter. And that's my coping mechanism. And that's not everybody's. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I was going through this and I was at the end at when I was like about to say like, okay, I need help. Cause like, I can't do this. And I was losing so much weight and I was so dehydrated. Like I was blacking out, like all of these things I was starting to tell people and I was kind of trying to make it into jokes. And then they would say, they would make jokes back. They would say stuff like, well, you know, if somebody were to poison the apple or they were to poison like the piece of bread, you know, even if you took it from the middle piece, like, wouldn't it still be poison? And I'd be like, ha okay, great. Now I can't eat at all. So if and people were joking about, you know, be and be like making germs or oh, no. or like putting poison in places i would be like uh no this is just yeah. this is way way too triggering and anything that we sit brian and i say in this episode is literally just going to destroy just somebody's like, oh, life that, oh my god we, i'm so I'm, sorry yeah, person out there so sorry we're yeah. so, so so sorry um did You're you safe. did yeah. you ever get a diagnosis of like of what did they ever call your eating disorder or anything? Um, okay, so I'd never actually... So don't do what I did. I never went to the doctors with it. I just ended up kind of confiding into my parent, to my parents, to my stepmom and my dad at the time. And I had to tell them that I was like, I'm not, I'm not okay, but I want you to leave me alone. And I don't want, I don't want any, I just want to do this on my own. I just want to figure out. And eventually I started finding safe ways to eat again. And I, and I wanted to go back to school really badly. And so that was a reward for me is being able to be awake in school and be uh, able to. I'm interested in that, in that moment that you decide to confide in your parents. Like, was there a buildup to you being able to go and tell them that? Or like, what do you remember the thought process and leading up to that? I wasn't, I wasn't okay with telling them and I didn't want to ever, I didn't, I never really want to tell people when I'm struggling or anything like that, but we were in a restaurant and I wasn't eating and they were like, Oh, okay. We know something is happening in this restaurant. And they were like, why don't you just get like a, why don't you just get something safe, like a salad? You know, why don't you just, (laughs) why don't you just get something light like that? And I remember thinking to them, okay, but I can't eat it, guys, because I'm really scared that the chef put something in it and it's going to kill me. And they were like, "That, but that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. And I remember them offering <laughs> to share it with me. So then that way, if I died, then they would die kind of thing. And I was like, I like that. <laughs> okay, that makes me feel super safe because if I'm going to die, then I'm not going to die alone kind of thing. And so that mm. was kind of a threshold into, okay, now I can eat with people as long as they share the food with me. Because if it's poison, then... That if I get a reaction from it, they have to get a reaction from it too, you know? And so then I was able to start sharing small portions of food with people. But it was at that time that that's when I told them, okay, I have right. to tell you guys because I am I just, I can't have you guys bother me about this anymore. I'm really scared of getting poisoned by people that I don't know. And so I can't eat food out, outside. That's really, it, it is really fascinating um, that you, that you took it on your, your, you took that on yourself to like make mm-hmm. that change. Um, because I feel like, you know, especially back then, like how old are you now? 29. 29. Okay. 29, so like yeah. almost 10 years ago or, yeah, or yeah. Over 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and at, at a time where like clearly the, the discussion surrounding mental health and mental illness, like definitely isn't what it, it mm-hmm. currently is today. Correct. Um, I feel like, like I, don't, I don't know, but it, it, I feel like you might be an outlier in, mm-hmm. in that, you know, like I feel like a lot of people don't don't really have the yeah. the capacity to like to make that that switch themselves. Yeah. Like it, it's well, which, in- which I find very like I, I I find very admirable about about you and and I think it's I think it's just so fucking cool that you've you've had the the capacity to do that and then end up where you are today at, at like you know, being a voice for those people and, and actually being like a resource for people to like maybe cultivate that change in others. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. And I know that, um, I know that you, you know, speaking of like the, the discussion surrounding mental health and mental illness and how clearly that over time, like it's becoming much more common in, in our society to be like acknowledging that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that you do a lot of work with Jack.org, mm-hmm. which uh, we've also done some work with and, and a great group of people. Yeah, um, amazing. And they, the, the, they're working on a new project, which actually is launching today. This is actually like a, par- a part of the reason why we're talking. Yeah. Is uh, 
it's called Be There, the initiative mm. Be There. Can mm. you like just give us a sort of rundown on that? I feel like this is a good yeah. time to kind of dive yeah. into that for a moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Jack.org, for the last 18 months, they've been working, but I mean, it's been going on for years too, this talk of there really should be a resource on how to be there for somebody who's struggling. You know, mm. we tell people all of the time, hey, talk about your stuff, open up, communicate, reach out. Okay, so then somebody reaches out to you and then you have no tools on how to actually be there for them. Mm. And I can't tell you how many times I've been that person where I have no idea what to say to people. I totally, yeah, I totally identify with that too. Yeah, it's, Especially it's doing this, this podcast where mm-hmm. we're talking to people who are sick. Like I've found myself... Now, even more so over the past three years, um, in situations where somebody's willing to open up, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to listen and talk to them, but I don't necessarily know how to provide the right resources to them to help them in a way right. that goes beyond what I'm able to to do just by listening. Right, totally. And I mean, listening is such a it's such an important thing. Active listening, and we're not even taught that though. Growing up, you know, I don't mm. I don't think a lot of us have that. <laughs> in our cognitive toolkit of how to be a good listener and, and how to make sure that somebody feels comfortable and supported when they are being vulnerable and when they are being raw. I certainly didn't have that in my toolkit when I, when I, when people started opening up to me, I mean, in person, you know, I'm not, I would say that I'm still working on being a, re, a good person to go to in those situations. Because for me, I'm like, uh, I don't know, shouldn't we all just get a professional to handle this? Like, yeah, you know, right. and, yeah. and so this, this idea of, okay, could there just be, a resource that people could go to where it wasn't, you know, an anxiety organization or it wasn't a depression organization or it wasn't an eating disorder organization. Like you didn't have to kind of hunt around, you know, all of these different websites or different apps on how to just talk to somebody or, or sorry, how to be that person when somebody comes to you and how do you just make all of that and put it into something succinct and something that is very clear, very easy to read for people to go to and say, Oh, okay. Now I know. Now I have four or five things that I can pull out when somebody comes to me, or when when the next time that I'm in a conversation like this. So, so is is this is the is the be there app? Like I'm kind of getting the picture that it's it's almost like a first aid kit for mental health that is in the form of an app that yeah, you have with you all, yeah. all the That's time. That's fucking cool. Is it? It's an app. It's. <clears throat> I think it's a website right oh, now. Okay, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. So yeah. like, but, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Online I, yeah. application. You know, it's a website. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, what is an app really? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's that's a really cool way of putting it, though. You know, yeah, a, a, yeah. A, a mental health. health First aid, first aid kit. kit. Yeah, like, totally. And and it's a kind of like a first, it's kind of like a digital first aid kit of, okay, you know, it's not a crisis, it's not a crisis website. So it's not, if you're going on there because you're in a crisis moment, you know, um, there is information regarding that, but it's not, it's not a crisis resource. It's, it's a resource of, Here's a here's a band aid. Here's you know here right. what 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 right. other what else are in first aid kits? Uh, uh, gauze. Gauze. Uh, here's some here's gauze. Some tweezers. Here's some psychological gauze for you. Here's some tweezers. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. It's that's a really great way of putting that. So it's a, it's like a toolkit. And cool. um, Jack.org was able to interview over you know a thousand students across North America and do a, do think tanks with a bunch of people to be able to come up with a comprehensive but simple resource that people can go to to be able to say, oh, okay, awesome. I didn't even know that that was something that I needed to do, like, you know, respecting boundaries, knowing Mm. your role, right? Because at the end of the day, if somebody comes to you to share something with you, you know, you're not a doctor, yeah. You're not yeah. a psychologist. Like you're not there to say, well, maybe you have an anxiety disorder. You yeah. know, and maybe it's like that's that's for doctors to say. You know, and just how do you hold space for somebody in those moments? And I so, think, and I think that's the important thing to remember is like, if someone comes to you, yes, you are not a doctor, but you mm-hmm. don't need to be a doctor to be there for someone. Right? You know, you oh, don't need yes, to be exactly. a doctor to no. lend an ear. You don't yeah. need to be a doctor to. Um, provide support. Like, totally, totally. You know, and you don't need to be a doctor to use a fucking first aid kit. No, you don't. You no, just clip exactly. it open you just <laughs> and you sift through it. You get some and gauze, and tweezers, and, and, gauze and, and tweezers and then just and then you're you're nailing it. Slather yeah, on yeah. that polyspore. Absolutely. But actually, when um, when we were in the midst of um, of making this and you know being part of the process, I was able to just see some of the the videos, some of the people that um, that we that they interviewed to share some of their be their stories of mm-hmm. how you know someone was struggling and then so how somebody was actually there for them and it really there was like a couple of moments where oh, I was I was just so elated that people one were able to share their stories but and two I felt 
kind of pissed that people weren't there for me in the ways that I needed when I was really fucked up, like mm. really fucked up. Like how did nobody step in, you know? And I, and I love everyone close to me and who's around and people who are around me then are around me now and we've grown and, and it's awesome. And you know, you're only, you're doing the best you can with what you have. Right. I mm. mean, mental illness is so stigmatized that when somebody's going through something, a lot of families, a lot of close people to you might think like, okay, maybe if we don't talk about it, this is something that'll make them comfortable. You know, it's mm. not a, it's not like if we don't talk about it, this is, we hope that this per- puts this person in more pain and, and, and hopefully they don't yeah. get better. They, we, they don't, you know, nobody knows really how to approach those types of things. And so I definitely teared up, you know, listening or even just like watching the five golden rules be born, uh, on how to be there for somebody. Cause I just realized that nobody, nobody did these things for me at all. Nobody stepped in, nobody shared space for me. Nobody did those things. My stepmom was the best person at the time when I was going through stuff because she just allowed me to be myself and she listened. She actively listened when mm-hmm. it came to her for stuff. And that was one of the most important things was just having someone listen to you and not judge and just mm-hmm. say, you're right. You know, fuck, that's really hard instead of trying to diagnose you or instead of saying, well, you know, you could do this. It's like, I didn't want to be fixed almost. I just wanted somebody to listen to me and to understand me. And she was one of the best people who, who did that, who she was able to just listen and give me space to just be myself. And that was Mm. something that I think a lot of people don't know how to do. In addition to like listening and giving space, like what are, are, are the other ways that, that, not necessarily that people should be there for other people, but mm-hmm. some of the ways that I guess going back to your story, like what are some of the ways that you wish that people would have been there for you? I wish one of the golden rules that we have on be there is show, show, share what you see or show what you see. So I wish somebody came to me in the middle of it and said, I see that your head is down during class and like you're not awake or I see that you're going to the washroom a lot what you doing? Like, how, how are things going? Are you okay? Like, do you need anything? And then I would have probably at that time been like, no, but you know, thank you so much. And then that would have just at least opened up a type of trust. I would have been able to say this person cares enough to tell me and to say like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you your space, but I'm just letting you know that I'm seeing some activity that isn't normal, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just pretending like none of that (laughs) stuff is going on. Mm -hmm. So showing or sorry, sharing what you see is I think really would have been something that would have, oh, it just, it would have been really, really, really. Is there, is there like, and I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of this in the sense of like, um, someone with an eating disorder, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of stigma and taboo around, um, um, women of like really small build or framework. People are always really worried to like presume anything. So like, they're not going to say you don't, I, I, I'm taking it that you wouldn't want to say something like, I see that you look like really skinny, right? That you don't comment on people's body image like that. But are there, are there, productive ways around that that you can other than like observing something and saying something about somebody's body Mm. like saying something more about the habits that are associated with that yeah yeah you can always just mention to people I've seen a change in your personality I've seen your mood change is there anything are you stressed out about anything lately is Mm. there anything going on and then just letting the person open up and just see what comes comes out of it because weight loss or weight gain can always be a result of some type of health ailment. I'm sure that you guys have right. n- have you know known that. And the biggest thing about the stigmatization in eating disorders, I want to say, is that weight loss is always a byproduct of it. And that's not necessarily true. It has been true for me in parts of my journey, but then weight gain has also been a byproduct of one, getting healthy, but then also two, also having an eating disorder. So the weight gain and weight loss thing is are byproducts of just health in general. Mm-hmm. So like you said, commenting on somebody's weight loss is probably, it's probably a good area to stay away from because it is such a sensitive right. area. Yeah. I was trying to find, I was really trying to like watch my words there because You're I, doing great. I like, You're doing yeah, great. yeah. <laughs> I, I just know that there, it, it is something that people, that people don't want to offend people. And especially Absolutely. in 2019, like offending someone is like the last thing that somebody wants to do. Yeah, so totally. like, yeah. how do you observe things and, and you know, say the right thing that's not going to just piss someone off and push them further away. Honestly, like, I, I mean, just to come back to like the, the point of stigma, right? What is stigma? 
discomfort with the idea of something. You know, the the feeling that we feel like we can't say it. Or and and I I mean sure that I think that's part of it, but also I think I think stigma is essentially is like is a lack of of awareness, a lack, lack of education, a lack of understanding. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. And so and making normal things almost abnormal. That's right, right. Yeah. And so like. Uh, you know, all of this discussion around, around, um, you know, talking about mental health and, and getting the discussion out there, um, is great, but it's, it's, it's not like the, it's not like the breaking down of stigma is, is sort of moving a, as quickly as mm-hmm. like the conversation surrounding yeah. mm-hmm. the, the mental health and the mental, yeah. like mental illness. So it's like the conversations are happening, but the breaking down of the stigma isn't really happening because the stigma is still there. Yeah. So, you know, what do, how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we, how do we fix that? Well, it really just comes down to like pushing, pushing people to, to do the research, to like, to learn, to understand, right? Someone who, who looks at someone who's skinny, the stigma of, of an eating disorder is, is, okay, you're super skinny. Mm -hmm. You must have anorexia. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's the misunderstanding. Right, like you, right. You just might not understand yeah. uh, what's actually going on here. And so yeah. that could lead you into territory that just like puts you in a sticky situation or doesn't right. help someone or actually right. like, like, you know, makes it worse for someone. Right, so, totally. Or like you have gained weight, therefore you have binge eating disorder. Totally. And yeah. not realizing that you can, you know, diagnostically actually run from being anorexic to binge eating to having, you know, a, a different gradients of eating disorders as well that it can just fluctuate between a ton of, which is just straight like that is an eating disorder yeah, where right. you're that fucked up that you're right, yeah. not eating, not eating, not eating, binging, not eating, maybe eating a little, maybe eating normal one day and then mm-hmm. going back like up and down and stuff, which is very, very common. Yeah. It's yeah. so it's so interesting because um so the reason why Jerry and I are in Toronto is because we're we're doing a talk tomorrow and and one of the one of the points that I make in talking about sick boy and why it, this works is because we're not a we're not afraid to um, ask tough questions mm-hmm. and I I talk about how the first five episodes that we recorded were um, all about physical illness and then um, the first episode that we did on mental illness it was like all of a sudden there was this sense oh, of uneasiness again. Yeah, like, the brakes were like, hard. oh my we God, like, like, are we going to say, yeah. like, I'm like, can I say the wrong her. thing? Like, yeah. am I going to trigger yeah, her, like right, offend her? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then in, in this talk that, that we're delivering tomorrow, I just say, I, I, I make the point that, you know, as long as you come at it from a place of, of empathy and compassion, of course, then there's no, there's no telling that you, that you won't make mistakes and say the wrong no, of thing. Course, but, yeah. but if you're being compassionate, then mm-hmm. those mistakes can be forgiven. Right, right. And then sure. you can learn and grow through that experience. But Absolutely. even in saying that and making that point in a talk tomorrow, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, I don't, I don't want like, to say the wrong thing. And I find that I, I feel like this oftentimes when we talk about mental illness, even though I know that I know this that point, and I know that having conversations like this are important in moving the conversation yeah. forward. So it's it's, you know, I can only imagine that somebody who hasn't had the luxury that I've had to talk right, to a lot right. of people yeah, like absolutely. that they struggle with this even more. Right? Absolutely, for sure, and and just the idea too that you have to be you know almost committed to a psych ward in order to be valid, in order to think that then I'm psychologically ill. That's Ooh. like saying like I need to be you know, in a hospital bed to be sick, to be physically sick. Like that's just not true. Yeah. I I think, and that probably stems from, again, the stigma of like, uh, you know, the, the misunderstanding about what it means to be mentally sick or, Mm -hmm. you know, I have CF physically, Mm -hmm. I see that. Mm -hmm. And this is, and so I know that it means it's going to look like and feel like this. Right. Whereas like, Oh, I'm, I'm not, like mentally, sure, maybe things aren't great, but like I'm, I'm fine. Like until you put me in a straitjacket, I'm right. fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, good. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I you need yeah. To, and I, I mean, it's so stigmatized. Uh, it is stigmatized for women, but it is very stigmatized for men to open up. I mean, I'm sure that you guys at one point or another have felt that where you are feeling something and you're like, I don't really know if I should say that cause I'm going to look weak. And it's like, not, it's weird for me to talk about those things cause I've never talked about those things. Yeah. And so 
even when when men open up, I mean, it's it's not necessarily seen as the most typically masculine trait that we often Which associate. Which is such bullshit. Men, I will. It's what so sucks is that like crazy. you know you're you're a human being in a body and yeah. all parts of you need to be looked at and examined. So your emotional psycho, you know, physical self that all of those things need to be talked about. Like, I mean, and it's, that's bottom line. That's like what you're made of are like chemicals in your brain, mm. a mind, and <laughs> yeah. then this body. And it's like, why can't we have conversations about all of those things? Cause if you and, do, you're a pussy. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Nothing and, wrong with being a pussy. And, 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 <laughs> but that's, that's what we like. I mean, do, Brian, that is what we came up in. You know, like oh, how many yeah, times definitely. did did we hear that shit from our peers, from yeah. from our you know from our friends' dad, right, from you right. know the people we looked up to? Totally, like, that was that was such a common. I, I, I and say it's not was, like it was, I think it still is a it, common thing. Yeah, but I, but I do think there's a shift. However, that in our time growing up, well, it wasn't like once a week. It was like like multiple times a day. A day. Yeah. You know, like it's you hear that nonstop. And so if you're coming up as, as a, you know, an adolescent and that's constantly being like totally, pummeled yeah. into your fucking little yeah. head, yeah. your little mushy brain that's yeah. just like sopping everything up. Right. Of course you're going to like, completely break when, oh my god when, you absolutely know, or just resort to anger yes or just yeah. resort to anger mm -hmm. like i'm feeling stressed or i'm feeling upset about something genuine mm -hmm. and like that's important to <laughs> to acknowledge but instead of expressing you know instead of having you know any type of like emotional intelligence to be like mm -hmm. right i'm feeling upset because i'm really overwhelmed right now about something and it's okay to be anxious or nervous or mm -hmm. or or to feel sadness about this i'm just going to be angry because that's the easiest and most most comfortable way for me to express myself mm. is to just be be angry and frustrated and it's like wow we've really reduced a lot of men down to one or two emotions it's either they're stoic or maybe they're happy or they're angry mm -hmm. yeah but again I, I do feel like you know we are we are we're witnessing a shift in that and yeah, like be absolutely. there. This is a perfect example yeah. of, of what that shift looks like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Resources absolutely. like this where people yeah. can go there and, and, and literally, you know, fundamentally shift the way that they, they go about their own emotional intelligence and the oh way that God, they, you know, absolutely. their vocabulary surrounding. Well, one of yeah. my pet peeves is the way that people talk about men and women in like animalistic nature. Like, Oh, like when we, when we think back to like when we were just cave people and stuff like that, right. it's like, we're not though. We're not cave <sighs> yeah. people anymore. We are evolving like intelligent <laughs> beings I, that I use language to talk yeah, to right, one another. Yeah, and and I, was, like, I was at Bellwood's brewery last night. I don't have to go and kill a fucking yeah. dinosaur <laughs> to get my next meal. Like, I was at, I was at Bellwoods last night having a beer to kill some time. I went to go see some comps stand up last night. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was, I was having this beer by myself. Um, Thanks for the invite. Uh, yeah, I, I really should have. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was solo drinking a beer and like just, and I was, I was up on this like this sort of uh, this loft looking down at the bar. Yeah. And, yeah, and I had like a perfect view of everyone's, the top of everyone's head along the bar. And everybody that was at the bar, I would say there was maybe uh, 12 seats and each, each pair of seats, each two seats were two people that were together. So it was all twos that were all together. And there was a moment when I was sitting there and I just looked down and every single person at the bar, 12 people, all there with somebody else, were all just had this screen like looking at their phone. And, and I didn't have that like that, that, you know, that stereotypical like, Oh wow! Look at everyone just like looking at their phones, not taking in you know the, yeah. the conversation. I was just right. looking at it going, wow, we are so we're such a fascinating creature, right? We yeah. just have these little computers, yeah, yeah, that we go around with everywhere, and like it's totally cool for us to like pull it out and look at it for a little while. And what was really trippy was they all put it down at like like the exact same time. Oh my god! And I was like, whoa, this whoa. is it was so fascinating. <laughs> Jesus. So to come back to it, yes, we aren't fucking cave people. <laughs> yeah, we're we're like half machine, dude. Yeah. We've got these yeah. machines like attached yeah. to us. We yeah, are absolutely we are so evolved, right? And. Yet, for some reason, we are still so like stuck in yeah in our in our emotional intelligence, like for sure, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely, and and I hate that type of reductionism when it comes to humans, like reducing us down mm. to animals. I love, I do understand, and I do appreciate the connection that we that people bring up to the animal world, where it's like, well, we're just we're we're part of the animal kingdom, you know, and we're the apex predator or whatnot, and and I appreciate that type of 
connection where I'm like, yeah, we are. We're totally a part of the animal kingdom and we're totally part of the world. However, there is no other species that's waking up to themselves every day in abstraction, in complexity, contemplating the universe. There's just, yeah, yeah. So, just not happening. Just, it's just not, you can't do that with your dog. Also, like, no, no offense, yeah. I love the dog, but you, the dog's not waking up and like composing Beethoven either, you know? <laughs> Unless they are, in which case, like, let's see what's going Sounds on there. Like a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> but but we're also the weirdest looking animals ever, too. Like, oh, we yeah. walk around on two feet and we have no like hair just as like mammals. Like, we're like, just walking around. Weird li- like, if, if aliens came <laughs> totally. down, they would look at us and they go, <laughs> That's a weird looking. Oh my god, they already creature. have. Yeah. They've looked down on us and they're like, "Wow, they're fucking it up down there." Let's not, let's <laughs> yeah, not touch that planet. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, just yeah. keep going. Um, so I, I, just, I wanted to just, just the last thing before we leave that is, I was thinking about writing a script for a, a TV show where it's like. an alien race comes to this planet but it's not like a predatorial race or anything like that it's just like it's like as if we found like we like if we traveled to another planet and and met other aliens and they came down and just looked at us and they were like a really civilized society and they just looked at us and the way that we treat our planet and the things that we do to each other and they and they were just like what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. And it could just be, it would be such an amazing script for a show where like it just makes you really question all of the things that we do as a species. Totally. Um, Almost like Black Mirror, except not as dark and like more funny. I think, right? Yeah, for sure. I'd watch that. Do you for wanna, sure. Do you want to write it with me, Jerry? Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not oh. a big fan of writing. Oh, that was a hard no. <laughs> yeah, that was a hard no. I, I don't like to write, but I'll watch it. Yeah, okay, somebody make it so I can watch it. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Coming back to your story, Mm. um... Uh, when, like, I, I know that through the people we've talked to, specifically talking about like eating disorders, um, from my understanding, it, you're, you're never like, oh, I'm, I'm cured. Like I'm right. I don't have yeah. an eating disorder anymore. Yeah. Like it's more of the, uh, like a, a remission. I, yeah. Is that the, is that the language that they use? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great question. So there have been an overwhelming amount of, specialists in the eating disorder uh, world, like psychologists who are dedicated to studying eating disorders that say full recovery from an eating disorder is possible. Like you can, can you don't have, that's you without it completely. And I believe them and I want, and I want to believe them. However, I've never seen that before. I've only known one person to say like, I'm fully recovered. You, so you would say you don't feel that yourself? No, definitely. I feel like that it would probably be something that I struggle with in the sense that struggle in is a, a very loose, it's a very loose term. I don't want to say that I'm struggling, you know, every day, but I would say that it's going to be something that's on my mind probably for the next 10 to 15 years. And mm. until I'm like, and now I'm fully fine mm. from it, you know, but the idea that also that I would go back, that I would like crumble and go back into a state of fully disordered eating where I, it's, it's affecting my everyday life. I don't, I hope that I've, I hope that I'm, that that doesn't happen, but that's also always a possibility. Like you can always get sick again, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that like that I would never go back there because I just don't know what the future holds for mm-hmm. me or anything like that. Well then how are you doing like today? Because it, 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 it's a really funny thing to, to talk to you about, about this sort of thing because I mean, we, we've, we met now like, I don't know what a year and a half or maybe two yeah. years ago. Um, uh, and you know, I, I, like many fucking people, I follow you on social media and, and you're very open and honest about like your life on social media, but also like you, if you're just like casually scrolling through social media, like you, you seem great. Right. Yeah. So good. Yeah. You know, it's this constant reminder of like, Oh wait, no, no, no. Right. Right. That's 1% of a person's (laughs) life. We're all dealing with shit. (laughs) Totally. Um, How, so how are you like, honestly, how are you today? 
I'm good right now. Thank yeah. you so much for asking. <laughs> um, yeah, in general today, I'm doing, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm pretty good. I, I don't, I don't restrict and I don't overeat in the ways that I used to, but it still happens, I would say, like twice a week. And I think that twice a week for over six weeks, I think that that is actually the diagnostic criteria for an eating disorder. But, but, but with that being said, I'm, but wait, 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 to all the psychologists listening to this, um, but I'm fine in the sense that I can, I recognize in the moment, like what's going on. And I reach out to my therapist and I reach out to my counselor. Or I'll talk to a friend who's also in the same boat. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm doing this like really weird fucked up thing. And I don't, and I don't feel good about it. And then just even doing that, breaking the cycle is, is important. And, is like a huge change in the way that I eat, but it's, I am doing great. Like I'm, I'm in the best place that I've ever been mentally and emotionally. And so that's why when you're scrolling social media and you read my posts, it's cause I am, there is a part of me that's doing, that's doing great. Do you find that being an advocate, um, gives you this extra like lens of awareness on your own yeah. life and situation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like because I take my advocacy and I take the responsibility of being an influencer, I, I, I make sure that I'm critical about my actions all the time. You know, I, I feel very deeply about, about being those, those two things. And I feel like I do have this responsibility over the people that look, look up to me or, or look to me for, uh, as a resource. And so I'm hypercritical and I'm hyper aware of everything that I do because mm-hmm. of that, because I want to make sure that I'm being honest online. I'm being honest and as right. transparent as possible and that I'm being myself. And in order to do that, you have to have, uh, you know, a deep self-awareness for that. Mm. So I'm, I'm always trying to be cognizant of yeah, what's going on and what I'm doing. Do you find, cool. do you find like, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we, we do this, this podcast and we have, there's, there's thousands of people that tune in and, yeah. and, and we hear from, fuck so many people that write in to like express to us how much these conversations have, um, you know, shifted the way that they, they relate to their own illness or, yeah. or changed the yeah. way that they, they communicate with their loved ones or, or whatever. We hear that stuff a lot. Yeah. Um, you're, I mean like your platform is, is you're, you're on quite a, quite a platform. Like you're being seen and heard by a lot of people, a fucking lot of people. Mm-hmm. And especially when you post something on like Instagram and it's like, Immediately, you're getting like hundreds of comments from right. people who are yeah. like giving yeah. you that or like immediate feedback. Do you? Right. Do, and and I'm sure that you know, I'm sure that you get your fair share of um, of people reaching out to like tell you how much you've you've affected them mm-hmm. or, or or brought change to their life. But do you find that to be? Um, do you feel like you've? Do you feel like that's a lot of pressure? Like, do, do you feel, do you, do you get stress from being that voice? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, I don't necessarily get stressed out about, about people reaching out. I get stressed out about not being able to be enough for them. And I get really stressed out. I get really hard on myself when I'm like, oh my God, you didn't comment back or you didn't respond back to this person. Or like, I really haven't, I've only really in the last year, have been able to set boundaries with people to be like, I'm not, I can't be your therapist and I can't be your psychologist. I'm so sorry that I'm the only person right now in your life that you feel comfortable enough to open up to. Mm -hmm. But there was a point where I was like giving my phone number out to people who were like saying that they were suicidal. And I'm just like, that's just my heart is just trying to just make you stay on this planet. I just want you to be here and I just want you to know that I think about you, you Mm -hmm. know, and I know that you're a stranger, but I'm still thinking about you kind of thing. And then I had to realize that I can't, and I know that, I know that like in everyone else's head, they're like, don't ever do that. But in my head and in my world, it's like, yeah, but literally people don't have anybody else. Mm. people don't have anybody else because we don't know how to be there properly for people. People don't have a community to drop into. That's another thing is that, you know, we might, us three, we may have found a community. We might have built a community, but there's a lot of people that struggle with saying like, I don't have a fucking support system that's checking in on me. That's wondering, Hey, what are they doing today? Are they okay? What thoughts are they thinking about? What are the, what are they just, what habits do they have? Which you is know? why they're relying on, on, on influencers uh, totally. or, you know, yeah, podcasts public figures, to podcasts, people yeah. to like go, okay, they, they get it. They get it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'll, I'll reach out to them, you know, totally. which is like, 
Yeah. It's so amazing that that exists and that mm-hmm. that's there and that people can feel support through that. But yeah. like, but again, like coming back to be there, mm-hmm. the, what a, what a fucking beautiful opportunity for people to educate themselves on yeah. how to be that for, for the, people the people in their own lives. You yes. Know? Yeah. When, yeah. when, um, when I first heard, um, about be there, I, I thought immediately of, of, um, this situation that I, I kind of faced, um, this past mm-hmm. January, um, during Bell Let's Talk. I made a I made a tweet where I said like, "Hey, like, does anybody want to talk about anything? If you do, just reach out to me and I'll and we can chat." Oh, nice. And um and I did that, and a few days later, I got a message from a kid, and he wrote me was like, "Hey, basically, I'm suicidal and um, I need somebody to talk to." And it was like late at night, and so I started talking to him, um, and I was encouraging him to like. Like go and and like you need call to like call the crisis line yeah, and do this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, I kept encouraging him him to do that, but he just kept wanting to talk to me, and I didn't have right. any resources to deal with yeah. the situation. And I part of me was like, what? Like, do you have the capacity to like engage in this? Like, right. what? Like, why am I? Like, it was causing me a lot of stress. Right. But at the same time, I felt like I put this call to action out mm-hmm. where I was saying like, "Hey, I'm going to be here for you right, if you need right, something." Right. Totally. So like, I I can't just like why I was asking myself like, why did I do that? Like, what was right. the purpose? If I didn't expect this to happen, yeah. where somebody was going to reach out to me and do this, yeah. was it just like was I virtue signaling? Like, what was right. I doing in posting right. that? That message. So, I mean, it, I, there was a par- probably a part of you that just thought like this was going to be a really good idea, and I can be that. So, like, I have what it takes to uh, to appropriately be there for these people. Totally, if they were coming and to me, or, like, I know exactly. Like when you say that you gave out you gave it your phone number, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I I get, I totally get it. Like right, you just right. want to, you yeah. all you want to do is help. And yeah. you know, I was I was saying before we started recording today that I was listening to Melinda Gates um, mm-hmm. talk to Oprah on her podcast, mm-hmm. and and. Um, she was telling this story where she was in um, in India, and um, this woman came up to her and basically said, "Like, I, I want you to take my kids. Like, I love wow, my kids. Yeah. I love them so much, but I I want them to have the like, best life yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. know that you can give them that. Oh so God. I need you to take them. I can't afford to like oh to keep God. them anymore. Yeah. And Melinda Gates was like, I I can't. Like, I right. it's it's like. Right. Number one, I'm one human being with only like if I take your kids and it, then I'm not able to take other people's kids. kids and like and, and, and to, like and I only have a certain capacity to like oh my gosh, to totally. do well and do totally. good on this planet. So like I can't just exhaust my resources right, here. So right. like it really it's so hard to do that in the moment. Yeah. But like if you want to have the biggest effect possible, you need mm-hmm. to be aware of how you're expending your own energy and resources, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that like when I was a teenager and I was cutting myself and I was harming and I was very clearly fucked up and going through something, the people that I did try to open up to, they also sucked. Like I also didn't get what I needed from them. You know, I didn't get the compassion. I didn't get the empathy. I didn't get the, you're right. Shit is Mm. hard right now. You know, and I didn't get that. I got, I got the people that were like, okay, well let's fix you right now because this is problematic or you need to go see somebody else about that. You, you need to go see somebody else about that. You know, that was, that was hard to, and, 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 Especially because, like, I mean, you have to say that if somebody's in a crisis, like yeah, if somebody's suicidal, yeah. you like it isn't at a, at a point you have to be like, you, yeah, life is absolutely hard, mm-hmm. and you're fucking right to under. I totally understand not wanting mm-hmm. to be here. I totally get it. And we let's phone somebody, and I'll be here for you while you phone them. You know, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. Because at a point, you know, you can't be responsible for people. Also, right? That's a that's huge, but. And sometimes maybe it's taking them to the hospital or taking them right. to the place. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just like not having them be alone through it. Right. That was something, yeah. Like going through all of the stuff that I went through, it wasn't also something that somebody was just like, Oh, I'm in it with you. I'm in it. Like I'm not gonna leave not gonna leave your side and like what do you need? Do you we need to go through this together? Like I'll be with you, I'll be in the waiting room while you go and talk to a doctor, those types of things. Nobody did that. And so sometimes I get, I'm fine, but like sometimes I do get bitter about it where I'm like, Dad, Francis, what the fuck <laughs> were you guys thinking when I was going around the house? 
being, you know, being an angsty teenager, but also cutting myself and not eating and staying inside of my room and doing drugs and drinking and like mm-hmm. going out late at night. Like you guys were just like, well, that's kids. She's being a teen. Kids. Yep. She's, a, yep. she's a teen. And she'll love, grow out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, love them. And they were only doing the best that they can. And they're so good about being supportive of me right now and, and mm-hmm. being a better support system and stuff. They've learned so, so, so much. Yeah. Um, but I want to say that a lot of, a lot of people experience what I've experienced experienced in that, in that, in those types of situations. Well, I, I honestly, I got to say it one more time. Um, I just, I find it so, so, uh, just so radical, uh, to, to, to hear how you've, you went from that and, and like, you know, by your own devices sort of made a, quite a pivotal, pivotal shift and to see what you do now and what you're up to today is just like, it really thank is you. the fucking coolest. And thank you. And I feel, and I, you know, I, I speak for both of us. I feel so, um, grateful to like know you, to have you as a friend. Thanks. Jared. Um, yeah. Thanks, and to know that, uh, he speaks for both of us. <laughs> I do. <laughs> he does, yeah. I do. I know you feel the same way. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, cause honestly what you're doing is just like, it's just so vitally important. And thank you. And, and for, for people who, who don't know, how can they, how can they find you? How can they find your, mm. your, your stuff? Yeah. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter at Kenzie Brenna. Sweet. I was going to say at KenzieBrenner.com and then halted that <laughs> weird stuff. <laughs> uh, go, go check it out right now. Go, go follow Kenzie at Kenzie Brenner. Uh, and uh, yeah, There's probably just, some stuff on our social media right now with Kenzie. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can find it through there or just, or just type it with your little thumbs yeah. on your little monkey computer that you carry <laughs> around with you. Um, little posable and, thumbs. And one little thing in my community, what I try to encourage people to do is that if you do come to my page and you're commenting or anything like that, definitely don't hesitate to comment on other people's comments and start mm. sharing each other's stories that way. So, mm. because I'm really into this whole community aspect of it, but it's not just me that's on there everybody's on there and like, don't be scared to reach out to anybody else that's commenting and to, and to touch base with other people. Yeah. There's so much to benefit from that um, that community. You should get a discord server. Yeah, totally. Brian's all about discord. I'll tell you, I'll tell you all about it after we we, we wrap on recording. I do want to shout out, shout out to the discord community really quick. This was an impromptu, uh, 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 recording session. So we didn't didn't get to throw out any questions there, but, um, But we love we all love of you all guys of you. there. So, um, uh, before we wrap it up, um, I guess I, I guess let, let me. I'll ask you the question that I, we ask all of our guests. Two parter. First one is: What would you say? Um, struggling with mental illness, your you know your eating disorder, mm-hmm. all of those things. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's taken away from you? Time, hmm. time of me being myself, for sure. Uh, being able to be close to people. Mm-hmm. What would would you say is the biggest thing it's given you? It's shown me who I am. Uh, It's shown me how strong I am. And it's shown me that everybody struggles. And even though nobody's talking about it, the minute that I open up about it, the minute that everybody comes up with their own stuff. So it's definitely shown me that it is struggling with mental illness at any part in our life is definitely part of the human condition and that you can connect with people on it. Mm. Uh, well, thank you. Thanks thank for you guys. Yeah, this was, thank I'm you. so fucking glad we got to do this again. Totally. Totally. And, uh, and one more time, just, uh, just to throw it out there. It's, it's up, it's happening right now. Uh, be there.org. Um, and now that it exists, you know, it's, it's on us to educate ourselves. So if you are listening to this, whether you have five minutes today or, or fucking five hours, uh, get started over at be there.org, check it out and let us know what you think. Um, uh, we're really, really excited about what jack.org is up to and, and, uh, and yeah. And again, thank you for coming in and, and telling us Thanks all about for having it. me. Thanks. Uh, that is it for this week. Um, uh, but uh, you know what you could also do after you go to be there.org? Uh, you could go to Apple Podcasts and you could leave us a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button. And why is that so important, Jeremy? Because that keeps us up on the iTunes charts and it allows people to hear conversations like this one so that they can learn about be there.org and, and learn about what Kenzie's up to and, and hear our stupid voices. Um, and if you want to fi- uh, financially support us, you're, you're, 
you're more than welcome to. Uh, it's actually one of the things that like allows us to come to Toronto and, and have conversations like this and, and reach out to different communities. <clears throat> yeah, that's patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash sick boy if you want to donate there. Um, we've got a lot of cool things going on. One, um, we have a limited amount of sick boy patches right now. Those might be gone by now. Who knows? Go check it out. You yeah, might, so you, you better hurry, get your hurry hands over on there. And, uh, and then also we have our Discord community and, um, uh, and we have monthly host episodes where it's just Jeremy and Taylor and I talking about some um, really cool stuff. Last, one's, last month's episode was really funny. And, uh, love, and if, you, poop talk. if you... Uh, if you um, if Where's you go, my invite? If you go and yeah, sign, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you sign up for uh, that now, you can actually go back and listen to all the other um, host episodes that we put on Patreon and live shows. So um, that's really cool. Uh, thanks to Donovan the Meerkat Morgan for the amazing sound design on this podcast. Thanks for making us sound like we're in a subway tunnel right now, and Whoa. we're just, we're not in you know we're not in New York right now. We're in Toronto, but we could sound like we're in New York. Yeah, yeah, a New York subway tunnel? Yeah. Wow, listen to that. <laughs> How listen to that? all the rats. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Are they eating pizza? Yeah. Yes, I think so. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. Thanks, Donovan. And thanks to the band Jamesy for the uh, intro to our music. Even uh, though it wasn't your band that made that music. No, it was Take Part. <laughs> Takepartinthis.bandcamp.com. Uh, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Jeremy. I'm Kenzie. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.